In the late 1600s, a book was published satirizing politics in Europe. Published two decades after the end of the Thirty Years' War, it focuses on the power of the Holy Roman Emperor. That book's impact on statistics is the focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me is regular panelist John Baylor, Emeritus Professor of Statistics at Miami University. Our guest today is Wallace Ferguson. Ferguson is a teacher at Chatham and Clarendon Grammar School, where he's taught math and stats in Kent, England since 1994. He writes book reviews for the Institute of Mathematics and its applications, which are published in their journal Mathematics Today. His research interests include statistical etymology. He's here today to talk about his article, Microscopium Statisticum and the Etymology of Statistics, which was published in the February edition of Significance magazine. Wallace, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. What is so interesting about this book? I think the thing that mainly interests me is its effect on the name of statistics, the etymology of statistics. I collect antiquarian books also. And always been very interested in the background to statistics, having taught it for many years. And often the question would come up in a classroom as to or- the origin of statistics. I struck it lucky uh, looking through one of the regular book dealers' websites when I saw this book advertised, and that sort of raised my interest further. So I went up to London to try and get it, but I didn't make a good choice of the day because it was, the train was actually packed. The whole of London was packed with a anti-Brexit demonstration. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Well, it seems right though, if you're going to buy a book about politics and statistics. (laughs) That's right. That was carried out in action, but unfortunately I couldn't get to the book dealer. So I came back a few few days afterwards and was was successful. So partly in getting the book as well, it was trying to track down a, a range of different issues like where exactly is the book placed in the 17th century? What's the book actually about? Uh, what strands of statistics are relevant to the theory behind the book also? These were issues that I'd take on board and work with more. Particularly in, in reference when I looked at uh, research of how people had used Microscopium Statisticum, uh, many people, many writers had mentioned the title and gave it credit as one of the originators of the, the name for statistics, but there were no translations of it. There was no real explanation of the background to it. So that was the first real challenge. One of the drawbacks was that it was almost entirely in Latin, with some part German as well. German in the old fractal Gothic script. Yeah, (laughs) that might be a problem. (laughs) It was a problem. (laughs) So I'd studied uh, Latin at school, but I paid for the translation of a chunk of it, and that that helped to, to get a better idea about the background behind it. 
So I, I, I love how you've even you've, you've even organized your the way you're describing it. You've kind of given me notes for how to proceed with the episode. So thanks for, for that, <laughs> as, that that assistance. <laughs> so I you know I want to talk about um, those issues. You know this context of placing it in the 17th century, perhaps sort of what was going on in the world at the time when this was written, and what kind of led to this. And then we'll follow up with the other questions after after you react to that. Yes, it was a quite a, a difficult time in Germany. Germany had just the book was published in 1672, and 24 years after the end of the Thirty Years' War that began in 1618. So a very difficult time in Germany. People recovering from war and massive destruction in, in Germany, it in particular bore the brunt of the, the fighting and action in the, the Thirty Years' War. It's quite similar, the, the, the ending there to 1945 in Germany, a very comparable situation. Also at the time as well, there's quite a, a degree of change of transition between the first half of the 17th century and the second half, particularly with the advent of scientific societies like the Royal Society, and moving on in a sense from religious control over science, partly in the, in the first half, the tension between religion and science between new philosophy and old philosophy as well as uh, seen by Francis Bacon. There's a, a lot happening at, at that time. Also the idea of what the state is and the impact of the post-Westphalia settlement in 1648 that often is credited with the modern concept of the state. So what is this book what is it? What is the argument it's making, or what is it doing, and how does that tie into statistics, or does it, or is it just some, the name? It's just mainly the name, Rosemary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a short, so, short question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just it's just embedded in the name. So so you know you you describe this in, in you know as a satirical theoretical treatise on politics, and all of yes. those words appeal to me, but I didn't think of them ever being together. <laughs> <laughs> so, so can you can you help uh, deconstruct that with us? You know, what's what is you know when you say it's what was the the, the satirical aspect of it? It's given credit in the the, the sales literature on in the nineteen thirty four Social Sciences Encyclopedia gives reference of the satirical parts, and at the time there was a strong tradition of satire against the Holy Roman Empire. As, as instrumental partly in the war and post the, the war also. With the translation that I've, I've got, about 20, 30 pages, the satirical part doesn't come over strongly at all, really, but it, they've put a lot of time in and it chimes very much with what happened in the late 1580s right through the six, to the 1660s, 1670s in Germany. Uh, a lot of uh, serious consideration of the powers of the emperor, the limitations, and how, how he would exercise it. One of the aspects of where satire could be prevalent is the, the fact of the person's name, Hellenus Politanus, is a pseudonym. So the person's gone to the extent of disguising the name. So I think it's more aspect of satire, but I think it's more 
criticism in terms of how they interpret the policies of the Holy Roman Empire. So how do we go from statisticum, which seems to be pointing to something related to the state, to statistics, which is the you know field we all love and know so well? Yes, the, the, this, going back to the sales literature, then it gave credit to Hermann Conring, uh, Professor at Helmstedt uh, in the late 1700s in Germany. And he was credited by using the term statistics in his lectures. And uh, having looked through the British Library of all the listings of his work, I, I, don't, I, I couldn't find that aspect, but a reference is made in, in literature of one of the students writing that down and publishing some of his work. So he's, he's given credit for the concept of German university statistics. And as, as time went on, then um, Martin Schmeitzel, uh, one of the next leaders in German university statistics, used the phrase collegium statisticum in 1725 to advertise a series of lectures in Germany, and it was phrased as a, a lesson on the state of affairs. And the, this aspect of descriptive statistics centered on um, population, agriculture, finance, constitutions, resources, the policies of the state in a sort of very general descriptive way. He's credited as having introduced the concept, the concept of statisticum into German university statistics through the, the reading that I, I did behind the article. He's accredited with having using this phrase and taken it into uh, the language used in German university statistics. You're listening to Stats and Stories, and today we're talking with Wallace Ferguson about what an antique text can tell us about statistics. So I think you also mentioned as part of, in your article, that the, the students of uh, Schmeitzel's, was it Achenwall, went on to, to basically derive this term statistic as a precursor to our modern statistics. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, uh, Gottfried Achenwall is credited as another uh, founder of statistics following on from Martin Schmeitzel. And he eventually derived the term statistic and he, he, didn't, he didn't sort of build much more on the work of Hermann Conring, but what he did was to try and codify it more in universities, and the concept of it became more established in university statistics departments. They were start to, started to be set up around this time on the issue of German university statistics, or often it's called uh, descriptive statistics. It's interesting because hearing you talk about this evolution really sort of makes me, it, I mean, it makes sense that this is kind of how it seems to develop because it does seem like these were individuals who are trying to understand or tell the story of life in Germany through these this data they were gathering that eventually leads to the idea of statistics. But it does sort of speak to the heart of like using stats to really understand the world you're in. Yes. And he also... He wrote a lot about European states and the statistics in these states as well. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the problems, though, 
studying this aspect is the, the language aspect and his books written in German and very few published in English. And to get around that, then I would look at other books that are comparable in the, the tradition of descriptive statistics. For example, Samuel von Puffendorf's book in seven, of 1702, The Complete History of, of Sweden. And th that book was purely descriptive, very few numbers compared to another book that I read through, The Account of Sweden in 1790, written by Jean-Pierre Cato Calville. The distinction between the two, in the, the Account of Sweden, there was a lot more numbers and tables and description and analysis of populations through number. But going back to the other one, one of the phrasing about population, if I just read that out, the kingdom is indifferently well peopled, but the number of its inhabitants is not so overgrown as it should commence a war purely to be rid of that part of the number oh and give the remainder <laughs> an op opportunity of subsisting. Oh my. That was that was the level of analysis of population in that the earlier one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I I love the quote that that you have associated with uh, Achenwall's successor. It, it was history is on history is ongoing statistics. Statistics is stationary history, and and clearly this is using statistics as kind of this numeric summary mm -hmm. of kind of activities of state. But, you know, and, and we, you know, in, in our world now, we have a also understanding of statistics as discipline and field of inquiry. But, but, I, but I like that idea of kind of this, this uh, connection between how history and statistics were interplayed. In particular, I, I, you know, we might even say, you know, uh, history is ongoing official statistics now in terms of the, the language that we might use to describe the types of numbers. But, you know, that, that clearly stuck out for you, too, if you, in, in bringing that into your article. So what, what was it that kind of hooked you with that? It, it was really to see the, the progress of, from the book Microscopium Statisticum, to see how it built up in these countries in Europe, how they started to use the techniques of description, how they, they started to how it started to spread throughout Europe, how they started to put it in effect, and how it became more departmentalized in university departments in statistics, and how eventually with Achenval, how he derived that term statistic, and eventually that was brought into the English language as well by John Sinclair in the 1790s in his statistical account of Scotland, although he looked at it from the point of view more of the tradition of British political arithmetic, uh, interpreting data numerically, uh, as opposed to the more descriptive side of, of the German tradition. It's interesting to me to think about this idea of a word showing up in one context, particularly in a political context, in this evolution, in this sort of this progression in time, progression in time to kind of government application and government departments, to academic departments, and, and you know, ultimately to, to even to academic degrees, which is, which is still a fairly new phenomena. I mean, you're, it's, it's well within 100 years, particularly, you know, my, my knowledge is, I, is I'm, I'm ignorant more broadly than, than the states in terms of, you know, thinking about formal academic departments in statistics or biostatistics. So, it's, so as you think about that, I mean, this, this timeline, what, what do you see as kind of the next step in this, this evolution of this early use of a word into to, to now current practice? 
I, th I think when you, you see it in the German context and then it became more modern in terms of how inferential statistics got going and how people like Quetelet and the average man, whereas before it wasn't as inferential and it didn't have the modernity that we have now. So obviously we've got a lot more modernity in our, and particularly in this country, in the UK, we've got a lot more change, particularly through Brexit and how our statistics would be used and how in different contexts, now that we're no longer part of the, the European Union, uh, what other challenges may come and how we quantify and describe the economy, I think is a, a challenge here in the UK. You are interested in statistical etymology, which I had not considered being something someone could be interested in. And I wonder, how did this become something you were intrigued by that you bought, you know, you, you traveled to London and bought this book and have been sort of exploring this movement of the word of st statistics through these various texts? It just seemed to capture my imagination. It's just, it was like one massive jigsaw puzzle because so many different things had to be put together about how does the name fit in? What was happening at the time? What was the tradition of statistics there? How did, how did it connect? And Other looking at as well, particularly in Italy before, there was quite a precedence in the previous century of the state being termed. People like Machiavelli looked at the state through the prince of 1532. Giovanni Botero, Reason of State, 1589, would argue as a Catholic priest, that there could be uh, a country could be morally governed. That was his reports to Machiavelli. Other people like Francesco Sansovino wrote about government and administration of various kingdoms and published that in 1578. But what I couldn't detect was the same sort of connectivity between the books throughout that century, which was quite apparent in the case of the German tradition. Also looking at the British tradition as well, there wasn't that same etymological connection in the derivation of the name through a period of time also. So that was interesting to, to, to compare what was happening before and also the British political arithmetic during the same time as German university statistics. I want to ask you very quickly what political arithmetic is because it's the second time you've mentioned it and that just sort of intrigued me as, as I heard you say it. Yes, it was like interpreting through numbers, for example, uh, people like uh, William Petty and John Gaunt were particular originators of this tradition in Britain. And it could be uh, they studied the bills of mortality in London, looking at death rates, and they could infer what a population would be. They would get the number of deaths for a small section of London, and then they'd see what the deaths were per year, and then they could give estimates of what the population was. So it was more in a, a practical sense, whereas the German university was more descriptive in comparison, although, although ultimately they both had the same sort of aims mm -hmm. for, for statistics. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious is, where do you go next? I mean, you sort of, uh, you were, you're, you've been working on this puzzle and you started to find some of the pieces and you started to put it together. But it, it seems like you have to, f to, to continue this puzzle, you need to find more pieces and find another direction for this. So what, what do you, what's the next question you want to try to tackle here? with? That's very true, John. I've been looking at uh, two things. First one is being 
looking at how uh, literature fits in with politics, politics, literature, and the framing of the state. And reading through, uh, I was surprised in a sense about how many authors, big name authors, have actually participated in the running of the state and have been influential, like people like Dante, the Italian author, was a very senior politician in uh, Florence in 1300-1301. And his writing in the Divine Comedy uh, characterised all what happened in the state at that time. His writing in the book De Monarchia uh, also influenced the change from a republican system in Florence to one that would welcome more the emperor to try and sort out the internal rivalries and problems between Italian city-states. Also people like, you know, in this country like Shakespeare uses the term statist in some of his plays. Also was a member of court of James I also and Many, many of particularly some of his plays like uh, Macbeth, King Lear, Antony and Cleopatra, uh, framed the idea that James I was pushing for a united kingdom of, of which he would be king of, uniting all the different kingdoms. So as, as I read through, I started to find more sources like that, particularly going back to Germany as well, uh, Gunther Grass's book, the meeting at Telgitze is a fictional account of 1647 meeting of German poets and philosophers. And that is very much interesting as the comparison of what's happening with uh, Germany uh, in 1945. And indeed, he was a, a writer at that time in Group 47 that looked at Germany's constitution and moving on from the language of the period in Germany in 1945, akin to what he wrote about in his book, The Meeting at Tel Telgi. You know, I, th this is this is really cool. I mean, you know, so so many of us, uh, well, for those of us that practice in the field, you you kind of think about it without this context necessarily of always appreciating the history of where you where that's come from. And and as you as you work move forward with this, I I'll tell you, I, I would love to see a timeline where you kind of highlight these different threads, whether it's in Italy, Germany, the UK, the US, and sort of how this how these evolved and. It both in sequence and in parallel. Yes. That would be a really cool part. Uh -huh. and, and it's always nice to be able to suggest this to someone who's doing all this, all, all this cool work because I'm clearly not, not well equipped to do it. I, so thank you for all that you're, you're doing in this regard. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories. Wallace, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter at Stats and Stories, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.